Hello, hello. This is Lucas, and that is Jeff. Hi. And you're listening to Make Your Own Damn Podcast. Jeff, what's going on today? What are we doing? Oh, man. Today is an episode. Well, first off, we have this discussion series going on. And yeah. today is... We, we should. We don't have one yet. Uh, that's something we need to work on, keep it in the Probably back of our brains. <laughs> but we got this uh, discussion series going on. And where this discussion series originated from is that when we first came up with the idea for this show is we did feel a little bit awkward about doing a thing of publicly praising and talking about how much we publicly love all of this art, this entertainment that has such vile content matter of it. And we kind of yeah. felt like that if we were going to do a show praising all this type of work, there also needed to be a point for us being responsible human beings of justifying why do we enjoy this type of sick shit. And <laughs> and this has been a conversation that you and I, Lucas, we've been having for years and years and years. I, I've, I have actually led um, panels at conventions of extreme horror panels of why do we love this vile stuff? And I don't even necessarily want to focus on extreme horror because this isn't explicitly an extreme horror podcast, but we cross over a lot in those worlds very frequently. And even with just like the silly shit that like Lee Kaufman does, the topic matter can be very extreme. So I had... A couple different starting points that I could go off of, but so Lucas, did you have any point that you really, for starting this difficult conversation today, was there any point in your reflections on this that you thought about maybe you wanted to start out with? You know, I was um, turning this question over in my head a lot over the past week, um, and something I kind of want to explore is does the answer change through different phases of our lives for why we like this stuff because that was something that was really i kept coming back to and then yeah it's kind of funny we're doing this episode today because last night i was watching a movie called grave robbers it's a spanish horror movie um, I'm, I'm not familiar with it. You know, I wasn't either. Um, I've been doing this thing uh, where I will um, I'll bring up the horror page on Tubi and I will just point at the first thing that looks interesting. <clears throat> and in the opening scene, we have um, a woman who is chained down, spread eagle, and her arms spread as well. And a guy carves 666 into her stomach and then he proceeds to tell her that he's going to rape her so she can give birth to the Antichrist and then he starts so, to... So a Marilyn Manson video from 1998. <laughs> this movie came out in 89, but uh, yes. Yeah, oh, 80, yeah, oh, oh so it's ahead of the curve. It's an Hell older yeah. film. Yeah, um, ahead of the curve. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was a Spanish film and I, all I was thinking, and maybe I was really thinking about it because I was I was ridiculously high while I was watching it. And I was just like, 
and and I was watching it in bed because I was like just trying to relax, and I was watching it with my laptop, and uh, my partner was in 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 the shower in the bathroom, uh, next door, I guess, and I was just like, man, I really hope she doesn't come out until like after this scene, like because I don't want to have to explain what I'm watching. I have some stories I want to tell later about very similar things to that. I am very fortunate, though, that my partner has a very similar sick taste in entertainment as I do. So um, when they come out, if it's something they don't like and they're seeing what I am watching, they're just like, oh, you're watching your weird porn again. I've made reference to this on many numerous episodes. Sure, is sure. That's their dismissive way of talking about my extreme taste. It's like, oh, you're weird porn. <laughs> And like, and, but, and, and, yeah, and like, I, you know, maybe, maybe my, maybe my partner wouldn't be too, you know, shocked at this stage because we've been together. Your partner for though a while is now. not, it is not like though, like a Serbian film human centipede. No, 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 no type no, of no. viewer. Yeah, yes. not at all, not at all. Um, she's not even really a horror fan. Um, but then I started thinking, like, yeah, like it'd be, it'd be jarring and maybe kind of funny if she came in and saw it. But I wouldn't really have to explain to her while I'm watching what I'm watching. I, 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 but I would if one of my kids came down. Like, my one kid, she can't come down because she's, you know, still very small. But the other one, he could have. He could have come down and seen. And I, I would have to explain, like, Dad, what are you watching? Like, well, I'm watching this. this I guess this is... I can't call it a scary movie because, I mean, it's not really scary, right? It's just... No, kinda. it appeals to a different aspect of your brain, and yeah, I, I'd say it's more of like the same thing of like when people reflectively look at a car accident. That yeah, that yeah. you have to look at that moment of human horror, and yeah. it's something that's very primordial to us as human beings of the worst things imaginable we can't turn our eyes away from and on some aspects i think like the people that don't oh man i want to say don't enjoyment don't enjoy it as a simplistic way and that's totally wrong because i don't want to say that like i enjoy watching depictions of it but it appeals to a morbid uh, curiosity of myself, mm-hmm. and it also mm-hmm. appeals to a primordial, and and that's that's all well and good. But like my question, and this is like actually like gonna sound kind of weird because like I I, I I I used to really hate when people would say stuff like that. But like, how do I explain this to a kid? Right? Like you know? Oh, like, I, I I I no, I love this uh, train of thought. And I would kind of like us to put a little pause in that for the moment for to come back to. This is this is great. Yeah. So um, I wrote a, um, a little mini essay slash introduction to uh, the Splatterpunk Zine issue four, edited by Zach Bantry. Way um, back in the I'm day. I'm sorry, Jack Bantry. I'm sorry, I just misspoke there. Yeah, way back in the day. This is written in 2014. And it's interesting, looking back on this, what I wrote, that I actually agree with everything that I wrote, um, wow, uh, eight years ago. But I think this is, like, a great starting point of, like, where I kind of come from in my viewpoints of 
of depictions of the worst elements of humanity on screen. So yeah. now this is so now this is written in 2014 when I was the uh, editor of Deadite Press and imprinting Rayshard Press. This is arguably at the time when uh, Deadite was having like some of its best years. Um, right. Not not arguably Deadite was having some of its best years at this time. And um, I did a couple of non nonfiction pieces over the years for the Splatterpunk scene, and this is a introduction issue for that I wrote. It's called "You Sick Fuck" or "Why I Love Extreme Horror" by Jeff Burke. I'm the head editor of Deadite Press. This is no longer true. I previously was, but. This was written at the time. <laughs> An imprint of Eraserhead Press that focuses on cult and extreme horror. What I look for in books is the sickest and weirdest shit out there. Snuff film starring an infant? Fuck yeah. Gentle grinder? We have a hit. Fucking someone in their skull via a power drill hole? Can you make it into a series? Many of my friends and m- many other people, even in the horror industry, don't understand why I get out of these kinds of stories. They don't understand why anyone would want to read or watch something filled with rape, torture, necrophilia, mutilation, and all other sorts of vile acts. It's really quite simple. I find these things horrifying. Many seem to forget that the point of horror is to horrify the audience. While I adore the fog-drenched sets of the Universal Monster films, and I'm a sucker for a well-done haunted house flick, those things actually scare me. Sorry to break it to everyone, but ghosts and werewolves aren't real. Rapists, Says serial... <laughs> Rapists, serial killers, terrorists, sex slavery, and random acts of cruelty are real. The thought of being stalked by a vampire does not linger in the back of my brain in the same way of what could happen when walking alone on the street in the middle of the night does. I know it's cliche to say, but humans are the real monsters, and our supernatural creations are just stand-ins for our own fears. Well, I'm like, I just prefer to cut out the symbolic middleman and get straight to the dirty shit. Watching films like Necromantic and Sela give a safe glimpse into the depravity of the human condition. In recent years, remember this is 2014, in recent years we've had two controversial films released that somehow managed to converge, um, I'm sorry, somehow managed to get coverage in worldwide mainstream media, the Human Centipede series and the Serbian film. Apparently, the idea of films revolving around forced shit-eating or the production of child pornography were too much for some. Some misguided protectors of morality even managed to talk some countries into placing arrest warrants for the directors of the films for what amounts to basically obscenity in those countries' laws. And don't worry, the cases got worked out and the directors were fine and got no real charges and served no time, no fines, nothing happened to them. That's a little addendum to me because when I wrote this, uh, all that it's stuff wasn't resolved. Yeah, yeah, it all got thrown out. All over fictional films featuring no real acts of violence or sex. They just went 
too far. The idea of someone complaining that a horror film or story has gone too far completely mystifies me. The horror genre has always been the genre to go too far. It's part of the point. Horror has been pushing the boundaries of good taste to scare, upset, and disgust. It's always been an integral part of the genre and always will be. I have to immediately question if these films didn't go too far were they instead too successful of horror films. They assaulted the audience with concepts and images that disturbed and sickened and lingered in their minds. Those that complained about these movies in terms of their subject matter just got something they were not used to, an effective horror film. I believe those films should be praised for accomplishing with their goals be praised for accomplishing their goals of mentally fucking the audience without mercy. I'm not one for criticizing someone's taste in media. If you like something, good for you. If you don't like something, that's good as well. But I will say that if you're approaching a horror genre with a, complete, with a politically correct mindset, you're going to have a bad time. The world is a violent and sick place, and for many people, myself included, movies and stories that wallow in that nastiness help make the cruelty of reality make a little more sense. It's a safe glimpse into the dark side of humanity. Complaining that a horror film disturbed or bothered you is like complaining that a comedy made you laugh. It's just fucking stupid. However, there's no denying how much fun it is to get together with some like-minded friends, crack open some beers and spark up, and watch the guinea pig series or blood-sucking freaks. Maybe I am just a sick fuck. Fuck it. I don't know, but I know what I like. And I think I'll go watch Campbell Holocaust again. I, I almost remember that essay word for word. Like, oh, when you were reading that, I was like, I remember reading that. <laughs> like, when it first came out, man. And this is the thing, I didn't talk about this in this piece. And it's not something I've talked about much, but I feel like I need to when I'm talking about, like, these supernatural elements are not frightening to me. I know many people in my life that have been victims of sexual violence, they've been yeah. victims of rape, they've been victims of racially inspired violence, victims of um, like LGBT fear violence, and some of these people, it's very, very horrific acts of violence. Mm-hmm. And so these things aren't abstracts to me. I yeah. don't watch this stuff and it's like, like I, I can't lie, I do get off a bit on like when a really good kill is done in a really great way and super violent and super vile, but I also don't lose the point that this is a reflection. It's art, it's media, which means it's a reflection of things that are really happening. And I think some of my wallowing in that is it's like how I help process that knowledge. That knowledge of knowing what's happened to people I love. That's happened to people I care sure. about. That happens to people sure. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I don't think I've been scared by a vampire since I was a kid. <laughs> and um, I use a vampire as just like the lowest common denominator thing. Because I'm like, if you're yeah. getting scared by vampires, like... 
you're also not listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I think we've all kind of, you know, experienced, you know, a kind of real-life horror, you know, whether secondhand with people we care about or, you know, ourselves. So it is interesting to, like, kind of watch these sorts of reflections of that instead. And I feel um, that's what a lot of good good art really is is a reflection of what is going on the last time we had one of these conversation episodes um i had a quote in relation to uh uh something weird video and that hollywood is a reflection of what we like i'm paraphrasing aspire to uh, yeah uh, hollywood is a a reflection of what we aspire to uh the movies of something weird video puts out is what a reflection of we actually are and that Mm. really struck me so hard and i think that's like a lot of what we are looking at over the course of this podcast do you think it's what we actually are or is it like like because i i think there's a little bit of both and both these both these things are true both these things are true it's it is what we actually are, and yes, you're right. It is the lower base, and I think part of it, of with a and you know, this is just what this is what I believe. This is just what I believe. Um, so I, I may be giving a lot of my own personal opinions on my viewpoint of the world and like my personal philosophy during the show. So don't think I'm talking. If anyone listening. Don't fucking at me that I'm talking about everyone. It's how <laughs> I feel about things. Mm-hmm. Is that I do think it is part of who we are fundamentally as human beings. And that uh, us being able to get out these feelings is part of the human experience. And that some people are able to get them out through art and entertainment and express uh, express those ne- that negativity in a healthy way or reflect upon the negativity that they've experienced or they've seen in the world around them in a healthy way. I think that's part of the human experience. And I think if you're trying to suppress that, it, it actually leads to worse psychological outputs and i know a lot of people are made like really uncomfortable over like the idea of like well i don't i don't need to watch uh a serbian film and and feel like i get a venting from that and when i say like get a venting from that i don't mean like i want to actually do the acts that are depicted in the serbian show sure, sure. but it's just like sometimes i just get so fucking angry with the world and sometimes like i just get so frustrated and angry about things and i just want to see some negativity and nihilism and bleakness on display that reflects how I emotionally feel about the world. And, you know, it well, makes me the feel film, better afterwards. Yeah, because the film or the book or the piece of music or whatever, it it contains it, at least for you or for me. You know, it's, it, you know, obviously, like, it's still going on outside our door or whatever. And, and the director, actually, of... Um, a Serbian film who I'm not even going to be 
the writer director who I'm not even going to begin to try to pronounce right now because I need to pull up a phonetic pronunciation. His, his name is the guy who made a Serbian film. Yes, I mean, you I really think don't, you don't need um, a name after that. But I've heard like a great interview with him that like his take on why he made that movie like. There, there was, like, the thing, like, it's a political allegory, and people were, like, poo-poo on the movie of being like, oh, it's a political allegory? What's well, a really dumb pl- political al- allegory? In interviews where he speaks, he actually explains it, and what he means is that it's an allegory that from the moment you're born until the moment you die, in- to die, you're fucked, and your only purpose in life is to make money. So it's a political allegory in the most literal sense. From the moment you're born to the moment you die, you're literally fucked to make money. And that was his anger at the world. And he did it in the most... Specifically, like, the Serbian government, I imagine, right? I mean... Uh, There was genocides that went on. There were civil wars. It's like a whole fucking shit. So this is a person coming from a background of they're growing up around the world. They're growing... Growing up, their world was mass death, world crimes, systematic rape, political executions, and then people get mad at him for making a fictional movie. See, that's why I get mad when people are all like, you can't write about certain things or whatever, or, or like they, they try to like censor what people do. Oh, it's also, but they also tell you, write what you know. And that's what he did. And people are like, I don't want to know about that though. But the the (laughs) point I'm trying to make is like, we don't really know any creator's experience. So to like assume that they're not coming from an honest place is actually kind of shitty. Yeah, like, I, I've i listened to many interviews with him. He's a very thoughtful, intelligent filmmaker. He also knew that what he was doing was going very far, but he's very much like, this is the world I grew up in. Yeah. This is yeah. my reality. And, um, like, I feel his anger while watching that movie and to me like that's i i find a serbian film a fucking ma- like modern horror masterpiece i feel his anger and his frustration and his kind of wanting to like stomp his feet and throw a ten- temper tantrum and say fuck everything and i think that makes for good horror and yeah um i think it actually uh you know, um, it's actually testament to the fact that, um, contrary to what, uh, I don't remember who wrote it and their name doesn't matter, but, uh, somebody, I remember somebody wrote an, there was an, they wrote an essay that like went viral around the time the Baba Duke went out, uh, came out and they're talking about how horror like makes people not empathetic, but like, Oh, I remember that fucking your essay. Yes. And yes, if either one of us could remember their names, we do not deserve to repeat them because they deserve no yeah. publicity for that bullshit. I agree. I agree. And um, I think, uh, you know, your experience with a Serbian film and how, like, you watching it, like, you're feeling this guy's feelings. That's literally the definition of empathy. Like, yeah. it's literally the definition. <laughs> I-, I feel that movie of, like, Fuck the world, I want to burn it down. And I want to bring up two other movies directly um, tied into that. Two other extreme horror films that that was also their same points, but they have not received nearly the amount of 
um, um, notoriety. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Trauma, a film from Chile. Are you familiar with Trauma? Mm-mm. Uh, Trauma is a Chilean horror film that um, uses as its, its extreme horror film. It's an extreme horror film that uses its base roots of the uh, crimes against humanity that General Pinochet did. Are you familiar with Pinochet? By any yes, chance, yeah, yeah. he's a right-wing d- dictator of Chile. Uh, fun fact: um, See, there's no way for us to talk about this without me getting mildly political. That's but right. Fun fact: A lot of uh, modern-day right-wing groups, um, like the Proud Boys and uh, uh, those kind, like the wear um, wear uh, wear T-shirts say "Free Helicopter Rides." Where that comes from is. Um, uh, General Pinochet was a right-wing di- dictator of Chile, and he would um, his favorite form of execution for his left-wing political rivals was to fly them up in helicopters and throw them out of it. Yikes! Now he also did a um, mass genocide on his own. I'm sorry, not genocide, but, um, just mass, because he, he wasn't specifically targeting <coughs> a specific ethnic or cultural group, he was just targeting anyone that disagreed with him and Mm. did mass death camps, mass torture camps to break anybody that remotely went against whatever his government deemed is what they want. Thousands and thousands of people died. One of his favorite things that he liked to do in his torture camps, which um, he directed his torturers to do, was to force so they wouldn't just kill a person or torture a person. They'd kill and torture a whole family. And one of his favorite things to do was force incest. Yikes. And then after the forced incest, force the f- one of the family members to kill the other. And so that's what the movie Trauma is about. Is about how this created a serial killer about a boy forced to rape his mother under the Chilean torture death camps and then his mother is killed in front of him and how he's essentially trained into a serial killer and then it turns into a very grisly, very exploitive, very seedy slasher film. So I have very mixed opinions on trauma. I really like that it was trying... like It's scenes of the Chilean torture death camps are some of the best ever depicted on, depicted on film over how they actually happened in real life and what survivors' accounts of them are. However, it does go really, really sleazy slasher in the end, which makes it a little bit difficult. Of see, a Serbian film see, that works, makes it more the, interesting Ser- to me because a I'm Serbian like- film exists completely in fiction and this is half in real world and half in fiction mm-hmm. which gets really complicated to me as somebody it's, that cares a lot about that real world history well see that's what's interesting to me that's what makes it interesting to me because i would be like i would want to like see interviews with the director like why did they make that artistic choice he, he made it specifically to try to call attention to the crimes of the pinochet government that the world at large has ignored he he made it mm. explicitly he's been explicit in interviews of trying to make a horror film to call attention 
to what was done to to civilians in in Chile, and it's just been ignored. So I haven't seen the film, but I I, I almost wonder if like, I recommend the, it. I recommend yeah. it. I do. I, it's it's. I have conflicted feelings about it, but I do highly recommend it. I wonder if like. You know, and I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to it. But I almost wonder if the you say in the second half it kind of devolves into like kind of a, a very, but like I wonder if that's even my that issue was, with it. I, but see, I wonder if that might have been a deliberate choice to like be like to to you know you outside viewers like that's all this is going to be to you is 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 a fantasy. Oh, that's a fun. Oh, that's a really interesting, fun take yeah. on that. I mean, you might I mean, be I'd correct. have to see the movie, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't done a deep dive into the behind the scenes of it either. So, yeah. But how I first became aware of it was uh, because I'm a sick fuck and I have an interest in <laughs> war crimes, and I found out that there was a movie based on. Uh, a extreme horror film based on uh, war crimes of General Pinochet, and so I was very intrigued, and I found out the director being like, yeah, I made this movie to call attention to yeah. it. And uh, he does, I will say he does an excellent job. The thing is, like, the first 45 minutes of it, where it has the vast majority of the depiction of what was actually done to camps, um, the really sick, fuck, fucked up shit is that most people won't believe that it was real. Like 100% and, real. Yeah, 100% real. 100% real of what's being... What's, it, what's <clears throat> depicted in trauma in the camps is all 100% based on dr- multiple, not just one person. So like it's not just one person making shit up multiple unrelated people that never interacted with each other accounts of what was done to them there. And what was uh, what was the other film? Yes, and that's what I was just about to bring up. I had one more that... And this is a film that I actually think does it the best of all of it using extreme horror to talk about actual real-world events. Black's... Black Sun, the Neijing Massacre. Are you familiar? I've even heard of that one. It's a 1995 Hong Kong movie, and it's won lots of film awards in China, and is, in my opinion, one of the greatest extreme horror films ever made. That are you familiar with the World War II event, the Rape of Neijing? Um, not off the top of my head. All right. Okay. This is about to get rough here, dude. All righty. Um, so, during World War II, um, China was at war with uh, Japan. This is part right. of the Pacific Theater. This gets ignored a lot in the Western accounts of World War II, but they're like all of the uh, uh, East Asian countries were also all falling apart and everyone was fighting like here's just a goddamn fucking nightmare it's cons- it's part of world war Two, but it's also considered part of the um second sinew japanese war 
which I only know that term as being a way of differentiating these contexts. I'm sorry, these conflicts. I cannot explain to you the context of what any of that means. I'm really good with American history, not that good with um, Asian history. But um, this got merged in the World War II. Japan was invading China. And um, I believe Neijing may have been a... Fuck. I, I don't want to say it was the capital. I, I, I may be wrong on that. But it was, it was, a, very it was a very major um, metropolitan city in China. And it was considered very strategic uh, Oh, it's by the... This is... I'm sorry. I, I just saw this was directed by the same guy who did Men Behind the Sun. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> which we'll get to that. Yes, which we'll get to that. Yeah. I, I like um, Black Sun Neijing Massacre way better than Men Behind the Sun. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And I'll get to that in a moment here. Um, but uh, so, but what happened in real life here is that the Chinese military pulled back during the Japanese invasion and they made Neijing into the military headquarters. So the Japanese military headed there. And then the Chinese military just fled because they were just... World War II, they were getting their asses kicked, and they needed to f flee and regroup, and they left the city def defenseless. And the Japanese army moved in, and the Japanese army surrounded the city, which was from just hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians. There was no resistance force. There was nothing. And for weeks, the Japanese military told their soldiers to go in and have fun. Yikes. They did, uh, the Japanese soldiers did beheading competitions. Who could behead the most people in an hour? And this was like a competition. Pretty much every woman that was alive in the city was raped. Mm. Of course, most of them multiple times, if not dozens, if not hundreds of times. Keep in mind, this went on for weeks. Yeah. Um, the, the accounts are that the city streets literally ran red with blood. They had difficulties of figuring out areas to store the heaps of dead bodies. And what this movie does... Oh, also here, here, just to make sure this emphasized how insane this was, is that there was a um, ally representative in Neijing, and um, the Na the allies' uh, embassy was held as a no holds space. So the allies that were there. Which the allies remember is like everyone that wasn't part of the access of World War II, primarily led by um, the United States, uh, uh, Great Britain, and also Russia was a big part of the allies, were um, in Beijing trying to um, smuggle out as many citizens as they could out of the city and also get as many as they could into that their um, embassies became makeshift refugee camps for the citizens of Neijing. And also, what was the other government that had representatives there that did the exact same fucking thing? 
the Nazis. It was mm-hmm. so fucking bad that there is documentation of the Nazi uh, embassy writing back to the high command, i.e. Hitler, of being, this is too far, this is out of control, we need to stop what is happening here. And the Nazi embassy was acting as a refugee camp to protect the citizens of Neijing. That's how fucking bad this was. And so what the Black Sun Neijing Massacre is, is an extreme horror film that is re... that is recreating the events of what happened to that city. And you will see scenes in that movie that seems like they're going to extreme horror gore absurdity. And then the movie screen will pause and the image you're seeing will shift over to an actual real world photograph showing that what they are depicting happened in real life directly as they are showing it. So not only do you see like the extreme horror violence, they make it a point to show you this is documented this really happened and this is what it really looked like. Damn. And in my opinion, Black Sun and Neji Massacre may be the most responsible example of extreme horror ever made. It sounds like a crazy movie. Oh, it, I, I love but... it. I, I fucking love it. And it's virtually impossible to see right now. To the best of my knowledge, it's <clears throat> not streaming anywhere there is no company that has it in print. It is if you want to see it, you have to go. To the best of my knowledge, if you want to see it, you have to go into the bootleg black market. Gotcha. And gotcha. I do think it's a very valuable, important movie of showing how art can highlight the real world's horrors of what war looks like. And I want to point out now is today, today, I saw news reports that in Ukraine right now, countries that are providing aid to Ukraine are desperately trying to flood in what they're calling contraceptive medication. What that means is they're flooding in abortion pills. What's Hmm. happening right now in Ukraine is the Russians are mass raping the Ukrainian women in uh, war-torn cities. And this is kind of still being not really publicly talked about at all. And this is happening right now. And this movie is like people have an easier time digesting something from a film fictional from decades before. And we like trying to tell ourselves like we're telling these stories so it doesn't happen again. And it's happening right now. And I feel like extreme horror is one of those only places that is like sounding the alarms and being like, it's happening right fucking now. Do you think that maybe the reason it st- some of these horrors continue to happen is because a lot of these films are are so suppressed and hard to find, and you know maybe maybe it, you know. Not enough people are are watching uh, these like ultra extreme movies. Oh, I mean, like, even if they weren't so hard, even if weren't so many of these weren't so hard to see, 
I, I do think there's an aspect that it's just too much for some people. And oh, yeah. that's, what I mean, I, I, that's what I mean. It's like... I still um, haven't seen a Serbian film, I mean. <laughs> and that's fine. And that's fine. Yeah. I don't... Like, if anyone listening to this and it's like... If you think... I think negatively of you for not watching these movies, I do not. I know what these movies are. I know yeah. how far these movies go. And I know that's not good for everyone's mental well-being to see this. However, I do think there is important points being made by them. And right. I do think it is important that like people that can handle these movies watch them. And, you're like, arguing like, them for, for you're, you're arguing for them as val- valid works of art. You're not you're yes. not um, arguing against the people who just choose not to watch them. That's um, exactly it. That's exactly it. And that's the thing that always fucking gets me is when people don't take this stuff as valid works of art. The examples we gave were very like, um, that's serious isn't the word I'm looking for, but they are examples of like uh, um, films that explore sort of uh, more macro issues. Um, What are some extreme horror films? uh, I mean, I've got, I I, I can think of a few that explore more um, individual uh, personal experiences. Uh, horrors that are extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this goes. I, I love you brought this up. I, I'm so happy you brought this up because this also yeah. ties into like a little crazy note. Um, um, I, 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 so, so like talking about these movies is like expressions of just like angst and rage. Mm-hmm. And like, I have no problems admitting it. Like, sometimes I have like anger problems. <laughs> like, I yeah. get fired up. Anyone that's listening to the show knows that I can get fired up and so it's always something i try to work on and i got really into a thing that i had an old fat kitty named squishy mm-hmm. you remember mm-hmm. me talking about squishy and i oh, always yeah. like to talk to talk about her as a reincarnation of the buddha and yeah. the buddha uh, do you know what what you know what the major sin is in buddhism and the um major problem that the buddha struggled with anger and one of the things is like acknowledging that anger and Mm -hmm. and some of like my favorite extreme horror is like acknowledging that anger one i want to point out that man you haven't seen yet we were having some text conversations about this is landmine goes click which is one of my favorite extreme horror films of modern years and Oh, it is, it is an angry, angry fucking movie. Hmm. Um, and we can't really. So the the basic premise of it for anyone listening um, is this guy and this uh, uh, girlfriend and his friend are on a tour with this tour guide, going hiking in some Eastern European country after like let Russia lost control of and maybe. Russia will gain control of again in the future. Who knows? But um, but uh, the guy gets led onto a live active landmine, and he's stuck while his significant other is tormented and abused, and uh, lots yeah. of really bad things happen to her. 
I don't want to spoil everything. And uh, dude, see, I didn't know what the movie was about. Like, oh, I mean, you, I, I'd seen you recommend it like multiple times. Oh, and it's for some reason just because it deals with landmines. Like, I just thought it was like a really gritty extreme horror war movie. No, no, the guys got brought into a trap, and he's stuck physically having to stand still watching his significant other being abused. And all I'll say is that wraps up in a very bad way halfway through the movie. Oh, And then it's about what he does after. You know, in all those extreme horror movies, like people, like, especially like tough guys want to be like, well, if that happened to my chick, this is what I'd do. That's what this movie does. And Uh. it's also very in your face of what the ramifications of it entail. It's 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 bleak. It's one of the most like upsetting movies I have so, ever seen. Um, I would, uh, and you mentioned it on your um in your essay. Like, I would say that Necromantic is a really good meditation on loneliness. Yes, being, you know, kind of different. You know, or <laughs> I, I think that's And also, like, like, insecurities? Yes. In a yes. weird way? Like, insecurities? Especially, like, Necromantic 2? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, made by the yeah. same creator? Like, like there's a lot of, like, insecurities on display there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and then there's also, like, like things like, um... Oh. oh, like, on more personal levels, American Mary is another one that American I can Mary. very much bring up, which is very much from uh, the female perspective of toxic masculinity, beauty oh, standards, dude, that, that how scene where men she walks treat in. women... That scene where she walks in to like apply for a job at the strip club, and I, I guess I think oh, she's wearing yeah. a jacket, yeah. and he's just like, "You're not fat under there, are you?" Like, uh, I was like, "I, I love American Mary," for, and I think it's her, like you know? American Mary. Okay, so like a lot of extreme horror deals a lot of very uh, chauvinistic uh, female sexual abuse topics, because mm-hmm. I would say there's a two pronged reason for that. One being, this is probably the biggest one, most extreme horror is created by men. And so you get that kind of perspective on it. Right. And two, uh, when it comes to that kind of degradation treatment, unfortunately, as we've been talking about all these like real world war examples, in real life, women are, women are the ones that fall victim to that type of torture and violence disproportionately more than men sure, sure. And so in depictions and media but I'd like to throw out there like American Mary as a amazing count- counterpoint to all of it of extreme horror very much from the female perspective made and written by two female creators and it's very much their rage, their anger, which is, mm-hmm. I guess this is becoming like the theme, theme that I'm coming back to. Yeah. Their rage and their anger at, about beauty standards, about, um, uh, like, like how sexual assault is just 
hand-waved away amongst certain groups of people um, about how the demands upon women to physically change their body to get attributes of beauty that aren't based in anything in human nature. <laughs> like, it's very much a very, very angry feminist movie and I fucking love it. Like, I like, like it's... I weirdly don't remember it being that extreme, but like, it's oh been my so God. long since I've seen it. Do you not remember them fucking dismembering the guy, like, piece by piece, hanging up? Oh, it's man. extreme, dude. I haven't seen it since it came out, man. Oh, no, it's... You got... Oh, dude, you gotta rewatch it again. It I remember loving it. It's way crazier than you remember. It's way yeah, crazier it and gorier. Be. They're doing. Yeah. They're 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 practicing all their plastic res- plastic surgery research on their right. um, instructors that they have hung up that they're dismembering. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's crazy body horror, extreme horror, and yeah. what's also really cool with that movie is they also worked a lot with the. Um, um, the the filmmakers, the Seska sisters, who uh, I actually published a couple of short stories by them. Um, mm-hmm. They uh, they actually hired. I believe they filmed it in Toronto, if I'm remembering correctly, off the top of, top of my head. And they hired for all the extreme horror scenes uh, people in the local community who are in the uh, kink scene, and also people. That body modification, body modification, and missing limbs. So it was doing a bit of a Hodorowski thing of using yeah. people that were already physically like that to uh, depict scenes of crazy horror. Some people nice. may be like, "That's exploitive." I'm like, I think that's cool. I think that's fun. And all the people agreed yeah, to it. They thought I mean, that's fucking cool. I know people in those communities and they'd be down for it in a goddamn fucking yeah, minute. Yeah, also, and not to be, like, too cynical about it, but I'm like, did they get did they get paid? Like, you know. Oh, no, they, they got paid. They got paid. Yeah, like. They um, all got paid. Like, <laughs> they all got paid. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I'm pretty but sure. They they wanted to make a movie about this extreme body modification scene and do an extreme horror film commenting upon uh, toxic masculinity and um, viewpoints of the female body in Western North American culture because uh, I believe they're Canadians. They are, yeah. Yeah, so I can't say American. So I have to say North American culture. Uh, they're mm-hmm. Canadians. And um, and they wanted the people to be in the movie that were the people that they were talking about. And they were very explicit in all the interviews, everything they gave, like, talked about this movie. And they had a whole bunch of, like, body modification, like, legends in the movie. Um, yeah. There's a really creepy Barbie scene um, which anyone that's seen American Mary knows I'm talking about. Lucas, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to rewatch the I movie. Think, yeah, 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 yeah. No, the this, really this creepy. Bo- and she's like a legit, like, body modification, like, philosophical celebrity. Mm-hmm. And while I don't agree with everything she says, she makes some really, really intriguing philosophical viewpoints. Um, 
Just about, yeah. just about all about remaking how you look. Um, and this is all I think, like really extreme, extreme shit. I think a film that that kind of bridges between the personal and then like the kind of larger is like in a glass cage. Oh my god, I love that movie so much. Yeah, I I, I believe I may have talked about it briefly on the show before. Um, yeah, because I actually saw it for the first time. It, it was just about uh, two years ago, I think it was, and it was yeah. just. There was no reason. It was just like one of those movies I just hadn't seen. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was just like two years ago, I finally saw it. And I loved it. Loved it. And it was about yeah. the... Yeah, no. Oh, I love what you're saying. It's a great bridge of these major issues to the personal. Because it was right. about, for anyone that hasn't seen it, it's about a uh, Nazi that's... Ex- it's it's right after World War II, and the Nazi essentially going in hiding, and they are in an iron lung under intensive medical care, and their caregiver they find out very quickly is a boy that they raped in the concentration camps, mm-hmm. and the boy then starts using it as an opportunity to take vengeance upon his former oppressor, including sexual violence, which turns into a cycle. And I actually, like, I say it's actually like the Hodorowsky extreme horror film. Absolutely. Because as the movie goes on, the interior of the building literally turns into a concentration camp. It turns into high surrealism for the last third of the movie. And that they've created their own concentration camp together. And it's all about the cycles of violence. And I love how you're bringing this up. That it's like, yeah, it's these structural institutions of violence. And it's the personal feelings and ramifications of violence. And both of these coming together. And the movie ends... Sorry, spoiler for a movie that's no. The final shot is goddamn. Oh my god, the final shot is goddamn beautiful and it's heartbreaking. And I won't spoil it. What the image is, but I will spoil it thematically. Is that the person coming back to try to do vengeance? All they did was ensure the cycle continues. And yep. we never get out of it. And that the violence and the torture just continues forever on. And and, and, and and that's like where I think like the value of the stuff in artistic expression is. Because we can get out that fucking anger at each other. Mm-hmm. We can get mm-hmm. out that rage. We can get out that frustration we feel. And no one's fucking and, hurt. And the, the only cycle that continues is like you're going to put on another movie. You know? Yeah. And isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> and the Lars gets paid. And, like, for a lot of these films, like, these shoots aren't, like, grueling psychological nightmares that, like, a lot of people no, don't realize. Like, we talked about, uh, we talked about it on the Bloodsucking Freak yes, episode, yes. how, like, as, as, you know, as messed up as that movie is, and, like, how, like, apparently that director had, like, a really horrible reputation as just not liking women but 
apparently like everyone had fun. Everyone they, had a great time. It was time. a fucking party, and yeah. they had the time of their lives, and they all view it as one of the highlights of their lives. There's um, I I watched, I listened to the commentary on Human Centipede Two, which you know like. Uh, which has all the actors in it, and they had the fucking time of their lives. It was a giant party. Like they all expressed as one of the most fun and considerate film shoots they had ever been mm-hmm. in. Because the fact that, like, for anyone who hasn't seen Human Centipede Two, it's um, what twelve people asked the mouth in the movie. I think so. Yeah. 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 So everyone had to be during the shooting day asked the mouth to each other. And they had to do this for an extended period of time, so they were all making sure everyone was okay, and, like, everyone had fun, and they had to act out really extreme things of violence. And in the real world, where people that wouldn't be judgmental about this work of art, where it actually happens 99.99999% of the time... There's that point zero 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 one, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, really, all consideration is made. It's actually safer and more considerate than whatever fucking blockbuster Hollywood film you're watching. Because the people making these movies know what they're fucking doing. They know what they're playing with. And they are going out of their way to make sure that people are comfortable and okay and prepared to deal with what's happening. And, like, you know, sometimes you might find some stories of people leaving film sets on the first day or two, but, be quite frank, and a lot of times, like, nothing actually happened to them. They just found out, like, this was just not the type of movie that they thought they were prepared to do. And that's why, um, like, Lloyd Kaufman's talked about it a lot, and it's become de facto amongst a lot of extreme filmmakers that you do your most extreme filmmaking first. Yeah. That way you know who's um, going to be around. Unrelated to the behind the scenes stuff, but um, you have you have you maintained that uh, Human Centipede Two is the best in the franchise, correct? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. That's the absolute best. It is a meta commentary on what everyone thought the first Human Centipede is, because the first Human Centipede is actually. Um, Pretty tame. It's it, no, it's very tame. The the, yeah. the context and what they're talking about in it is very gross. In terms of what's depicted on screen, it's very tame, and I applaud the movie because it's actually a mad scientist movie. And when mm-hmm. was the last time that you can think of a mad scientist movie getting that much clout? Um, we'll no, it's it's a, we had a couple um a few years after it uh get out which also i argue right. is a mad scientist movie yeah and we had yeah. human centipede and get out which were two great <clears throat> mad scientist movies but everyone that thought human centipede was extreme no they were fucking wrong there's n- really nothing extreme about the first human centipede movie um concept maybe but there's nothing that's depicted on screen at all um it came out, and then within the same year, if I'm recalling correctly, a Serbian film came out. Mm-hmm. And the director, Tom Six, of a, of a Human Centipede, uh, I'm sorry, of the Human Centipede, has even publicly stated that he got annoyed by the horror community 
pointing out that the mainstream was getting pissed off over a human centipede, but a Serbian film was what <laughs> everything they the mainstream media was saying human centipede was. And so he made the human centipede 2 to one-up a Serbian film. And uh. I will still say, to this day, those are still the two most extreme movies I have ever seen in terms of what they actively depict on camera in frame. Mm. Um, there, that was a weird run, right? Like we had, like American Mary was also in there. American Mary, Antichrist. Lars oh yeah, Antichrist, Antichrist. Yes, yes. Um, and then uh, I guess Martyrs was to, was like a few years before. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a huge extreme horror fan. I though am one of the few that I think Martyrs is extremely overrated. I just I, like it. I I actually don't. Think I it's do extreme. not like. I just like I it. do not like Martyrs. I think it's up its own ass. Uh, okay, I gotta ask you this though. Do you have a Do you have a religious background at all? Um. Well, depends what you mean. Uh, did I ever really believe, or did I come from a religious household? No. I keep yeah, them. I grew, I, mean. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up mm-hmm. in the evangelical area. Um, but not Catholic? No, no. Catholics are really obsessed with pain. And um, how are you it Catholic? Kind of, I, my, my, my parent, my mom is. And, you know, oh, so, I, yeah, oh, so you, got, some, of you that got that background. Catholic, you got that Catholic guilt going through you a little bit, huh? Yeah. So for me, so those elements of martyrs just really resonated with me right like so oh the the french new extreme was yeah. like that was part of a global resurgence in extreme horror filmmaking right. and now what i found very interesting is how many of those filmmakers have now just been blacklisted in making movies um I can't say any details because I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but I can say this is I did have a film company that was in contact with um, the uh, writer-director of a Serbian film who contacted me about pitch ideas for them they were specifically looking at some properties, and I gave them some properties pitches, which Lucas, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Some very, yeah, some very um, people that know me that know the Serbian film uh, creator can probably make some educated guesses, but I actually was pitching some major property things for them to do, and it just all fell through, and it's because he's just been blacklisted. And the same thing is happening. making a movie. Yeah, and the same thing's happened to Tom Six, that he actually has a fully finished movie that he can't get anyone to even show at film festivals. Um, crazy. And uh, Tom Six, um, if I didn't say it, was a uh, um, uh, human centipede guy. And this is happening also, I, I can point to many, many other examples of these extreme horror filmmakers, they're getting worldwide attention, worldwide distribution of films because they're getting this much attention, and then when they're trying to get their next movie made, 
no one's willing to give them any money for it. Their careers are essentially dead in the water, and it's bizarre watching watching this. Do you think it's our climate? Well, I am I am really intrigued over that, and um, I think that gives a nice lead way in uh, a topic that I was curious about us talking about. If we're, we were, we're not going to talk about for this episode, but we have to now. That the sadness is about to get widespread English distribution on Shudder next month. Mm-hmm. And in the time that we were recording this, I made... I uh, post about it on Facebook and Twitter today, and this is based on um, a, a, a like a little offhand conversation we had. I'm not even sure if yeah. you remember this, Lucas. Do you remember it? I do. Okay, I do. and that you were curious about that, like, okay, the sadness is coming out. This is an extreme. Like, you have not seen it yet. Not yet. No. I have. I um, and. It is an extreme horror movie. It's not quite as far as a Human Centipede 2, a Serbian film, or Campbell Holocaust, but it's right up there. It's right up there. Like, this this is going to be, like, one of the new big ones. And people are going to be very shocked at how far this goes, how mean it goes, how awful it is, how perverted... I'm um, sorry, I shouldn't say awful because people mean it's quality. It's quality is very high. How vile it is, how mm-hmm. perverted it is, how mean-spirited it is. This is something that a lot of people are not used to seeing in movies. And yeah. this is going to be getting a premiere in the English lang- in the English-speaking world on Shudder as they, they do a new movie every week and this is going to be their new movie and it's already getting a lot of buzz in the underground horror film festival scene which means a lot of people that probably shouldn't be seeing this movie are going to have it on their radar and yeah. and we've never had a extreme horror movie come out a new release extreme horror movie on a platform that everyone using the platform is also primarily on social media and the modern social media climate. Yeah. Like, a Serbian film, Human Centipede 2, Megan is Missing, Camel Holocaust, Necromantic, like, like, social media wasn't the same thing then as it is now when all those movies came out. And they also weren't distributed by a company to anyone that wants to pay five bucks a month can see it on their TV. It's going to be interesting to see. And the reason why I brought that movie is because I find it like very surprising that they're going to be willing to take on this movie. Um, maybe, fingers crossed, Shudder might take on Tom Six and a Serbian film guy. I'm like, I think they're really talented filmmakers. I think they just get fucked by mm-hmm. wanting to show how fucked the you know, world is. Do you think it's, I don't know, it's interesting, right? Because, like, 
it's easy for us to like blame the current, you know, social climate, but I feel like extreme creators have always kind of had a rough go. Oh, I'm not blaming the uh, the current social climate. It's no, you're 100 percent correct. That's always been the the, the case. Yeah. Um, go back to our. Uh, pilot we recorded of the Traveling Layman show. Yeah. Richard Layman was an extreme creator that had such a hard time out at the beginning of his career. And Even he, like, though he was selling every bit as much as King and Coons, he still couldn't... It, in a way, it just it just wasn't mainstream or, or yeah. appropriate. And, like, we, we, we've always had those types of creators. Now, like, sometimes they have broken out. Like, I like to point out, um, uh, Peter Jackson. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who did, uh, uh, Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles, and Done Alive. But it, it, it's always been that thing, and it's always been that backlash, and it's always frustrating. It's always frustrating for those of us that work in that medium, for those that of us that love that medium, of taking time to let people catch up to what we're doing. Because I'd also mm-hmm. like to point out that, like, when Night of the Living Dead came out, it was one of the most extreme movies ever made at it the was. time. And now it's, it's held up and revered as a filmmaking classic. And I personally argue it's one of the top five best horror movies ever made. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a masterpiece. And mm-hmm. when it came out, there were discussions at the time of like, this goes too far. far. In fact, um, Night of the Living Dead was literally brought up in the halls of United States Congress as examples of Hollywood filmmaking going too g- degenerate and going too far. Oh man. I will say that scene where where the daughter zombie stabs the mother is still pretty pretty wild. Oh, all the violent gore scenes in the movie are still wild and still hold up. They're just yeah. that well done. Mm-hmm. And for anyone listening to it, because I'm surprised at how many people have not actually sat down and watched the original Night of the Living Dead, and it's a wild fucking movie. It is. It is. So I'd oh, like man. to tie this all back around to the very beginning, Lucas. Yeah. So let's I do feel that. like we've had a really good conversation here. We've 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 dealt into a lot of like the large scale issues, the personal scale issues about like what this has to offer. But one of the things you brought up in the very beginning is what do you fucking say when your kid walks in and you're watching one of these things? Yeah, that's one of uh, yeah. Um I don't know. I wish I had an answer. Well, for um, one, for one, I want to say no child should be seen in any of these movies. No, like no, anything no. we're remotely talking about or even falls into the same sphere as any of these things, no child should be watching. In fact, I go so as far as to say is um, like, I mean, it's up, it's up to the parents, it's up to the parents, but it's like it shouldn't be anyone under the age of sixteen. Like, depending, you just don't. Because you just don't get it. Like, it's yeah. just a different language. So, so, it's just... so here's a fun thing. So, um, oh, this could be a fun conversation. So how did our parents treat us with this media? So my parents, I've referenced numerous times before, both of my parents um, 
one is, one was, my mom's still alive, my dad's dead, uh, were really into horror media. And they were both into, for the time period that they were, um, like, going to the movies and all that shit, were into, like, the more extreme ends of things. They did not have a limitations on me for content. I'm just, like, what's the best way to phrase this? It wasn't violence and nudity that they censored me from. It was context that they censored me from. Mm. And for the record for this, what I can actually remember is the first movie they told me, you have to be, we will rent you any movie, but you're not, um, and I asked, I want to see this one. So it's not like they pointed this one out and said, you can't see it. Um, I was like 12 years old, and I was like, I want to see this movie. I've heard of it. I want to see it. And like, no, you have to be older. We will let you watch anything else, but you can't see this movie. And that movie was A Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I can see that. So, I, I really don't want to talk about this very much, but like, I was like estranged from my father for most of my adult life. Um, yeah. And he wasn't a great dad to me. But one good thing he did uh, before I became estranged to him um, is that uh, I was getting really into horror, and he was one of my mom and my dad were the main two my two perspectives of my life that introduced me to horror, and he saw me going down very early the more extreme route of stuff that that was mm-hmm. was really catching my interest, and so. I had, this is in the 90s. This was in the late 90s when I was a teenager. A late 90s. I had a talk with my father about sexual consent. Yeah, wow. And he may have done a lot of shitty things, but that was one really good thing that he did. And to be quite frank, I have not, heard of another male of my age, which Lucas, you're a male of my age. Did your father have a talk with you about consent? I know my parents did. I can't remember like super specifics, but I do remember being made aware of it pretty early. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. You're, you're very, very, very rare. And, and when I say that about like who I've talked to, I'm not just talking about like like in in the in the horror industry. I just mean like in general of men. Like so, I'm a I'm a I'm about to turn 38, and so for men in my like age group, like I'm one of the only men I've ever actually had like a father have a discussion with that. And it's because specifically why we had that conversation was I remember this very clearly. Uh, was like. I see your interests going down this way. And it's like, it's fine of it being fantasy. It's fine of it being fiction. It's fine of it being entertainment. So I brought up stages earlier. And I think when I was a lot younger, it was surely curiosity, right? Uh, About these sorts of things. And then I think when you're like maybe a older teenager, a young adult, it's maybe you do find more things that you relate to, like say like the kind of 
you know, insecurity and loneliness of something like Necromantic. Dude, I still feel like I never left my angsty teenager stage. I feel that way a lot too, man. But uh, so weirdly now, as a as a as a as as like an adult, like even though like I do still have a lot of that, you know, going on, I think I also, as weird as it fucking sounds, like because I these kinds of movies have and and entertainment has been a part of. Uh, my shit for so long like now it's almost like a weird like nostalgia comfort kind of thing <laughs> like like i'm literally like like literally i put that movie on i was telling you about last night like literally for like for comfort like i was like i'm i've had a really rough day which movie and, was it uh grave robbers you know, okay yeah okay yeah, yeah, okay yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like and i i don't know like a lot of it like it, now granted I'm not watching a Serbian film for comfort, obviously, but like, yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of the Italian stuff and a lot of the, you know, a lot of, a lot of the like old school exploitation still has a lot of this stuff, you know, and, and, but yeah, like I seem to watch it more for almost like a security blanket or something. Why was that attracted you in the first place? Okay. So I'm not like a physical daredevil. Like, I don't jump off buildings and shit. But I do think that I am, like, mentally and, and emotionally adventurous. And I think, I think... I think being mentally and emotionally adventurous can actually be, like, just as, you know, um, as uh, dangerous as being a daredevil. Uh, but if you do it in a way of, like, what, you know, consuming media, that is just pushes all the boundaries, all your buttons... I think that's a healthier way to kind of satisfy that itch, I guess. So, like, when your kids get older and they have a little bit more context of, like, also say for, like, some of the stuff you've written, how do you feel you want to approach them about that? I don't know. Like, I mean, for, for, like, younger, for kids as they get older, like, it's just, I don't know. Like, I would probably say something somewhat similar to what you know my my parents said like granted my parents didn't watch anything really all that extreme although again i guess night of living dead was extreme for them but they they would you know they would tell me that it's yeah it's like an entertainment kind of thing just like uh yeah it's just like um it's just fantasy um and uh and for whatever reason, I gravitate towards that. Um, though, though I do want to, I do want to. It, it's also saying it's just fantasy is also though betraying the first kind of half of our show of what I was talking about, of talking sure. about uh, lots of filmmakers, lots of artists right, right, trying right. to bring across real world issues with it. So while I do agree with you. That, yeah, it's not real, and getting upset over a movie is stupid, because it's not real. And it's fine to enjoy the movie, um, if you enjoy it, because it's not real. But, we do still have a lot of these creators that are trying to make these real-world points, and especially when we get to the ends of the most extreme of the extreme... It's actually crossing over a lot with 
attempting to make real world points. So I don't have an answer immediately off the top of my head here, but I feel we need to kind of acknowledge that these two points are a little bit contradictory. Sure, sure. I mean, I would say, I guess I would, I like the, what I would mainly want to think is like, or, or say rather is, um, I don't know that kind of these creators, uh, this is kind, this is their experience of the worlds and they're trying to express it in a healthy way or raise awareness of it or, um, or to just kind of exercise the fucking demons, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think these points may be vaguely contradictory, but I do think they can also be truthful at the same time. Just remember to tweet hashtag cancel trauma podcast. <laughs> and, uh, all right. Are we, are we deciding what we're doing next week? Are we, uh, yeah. Wait, what the fuck are we doing next week? You know what? Let's do, uh, let's do beware children at play. Oh shit. Yeah. That's a trauma classic we haven't done yet. That's perfect. Yes. Let's do beware children at play. I am totally down for that. That's yeah. a great idea. What do you have to plug? I have... Um, do you have anything to plug? I do not have anything to plug. I, I do not have anything to plug. Well, I, I, I've already plugged it oh, just a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to plug it again just because I read an excerpt from a piece I had published in it. Um, I'm going to plug... Jack Bantry's splatterpunk scene, which is phenomenal, and it is, if you're all interested in extreme horror, extreme art, uh, it is an absolute must-read. Um, if you just do any sort of search for splatterpunk, a splatterpunk zine, I'm sorry, it'll come up, it's Zine dot bigcartel.com it's a very sparse website all they have for sale is what you can get and if you miss out on it you miss out on it until Jack Bantry puts out more shit that's how it fucking works it's first come first <laughs> serve and I love the shit he puts out and I literally have gotten a single copy of absolutely everything he has put out Nice. Yeah, Jack is good. I can I will I will piggyback that because I like Jack and I didn't come up with anything for this week. And if we're so. talking about extreme horror, let's give it a little extreme horror plug and that would be the Jack Bantry in my mind right now. Yeah, I think I think that's a good call. All right. Well, until next week.